How's it going, everyone? It's Kenneth here, and it's been a very, very long time since I've made a podcast. Um, things just got really hectic, and uh, I took on an allotment, and I've been spending quite a lot of time uh, down there almost every single day. Um, and the, the podcast kind of stagnated after three episodes. I just found that uh, speaking about food politics was um, not boring. It's really, really interesting, and I think people should know about that kind of thing. But it was taking up a lot of my time in research and trying to figure out what to say. And I had to then edit everything and make sure what I was speaking about made sense. Um, so what I've decided to do is if you've watched any of my videos on YouTube uh, under Rough Around the Hedges, you'll know that I've spoken a lot about um, wanting to become a market gardener. So I thought it would be a very good idea to carry on the podcast but sort of go down that route speak about market gardening speak about growing vegetables on a smaller scale like for example now on allotment and um, today is the first episode that marks sort of the relaunch of the podcast and I'd like to start by speaking about um, the profitability of market gardening and whether or not you can make money from doing it I wanted to speak about um, something that someone mentioned in a comment on a couple of videos ago um, and it's about how they like the idea of also market gardening but having watched other um, content creators and other sort of market gardeners um, on YouTube they <clears throat> found that they were worried that it isn't that profitable and I think it can be but and so I've listed a, a few different things that I think you would need to think about in order to make any farming business um, especially on a smaller scale uh, profitable so um, can market gardening be profitable and I think it can so I've listed uh, four things that I think are really important to think about now I'm sure there are a lot of other different things but under these four sort of headings there are various things to think about that all these things will fit into each other that will help inform your decisions and I think they all go hand in hand you can't have one without the other um, and just before I carry on my dog is walking up and down so you might hear some pitter pattering um, of her little uh, claws on the floorboards so anyway these are the four different things I've written down so the first thing you really need to think about, which is probably the most important, or one of the most important, is what is your growing season and what is your climate? The second one is, will your vegetables be sellable? Um, do you have a market to sell your vegetables in? Um, and I'll, I'll go into detail about all of these because there's you know a few points below each heading. And the last one is, how much will it cost you to start your farm um, or your market garden? And how much will it cost to continue operating? Um, your market garden. So let's just jump straight into it. Um, and I start all the way at the top. What is your growing season and your climate? I don't necessarily think this is the only important thing. Everything's important. But the reason why I think climate and growing season are one of the most important things is because context is king. If you live um, in a, a really, really dry climate um, and it's hot all year, that's that's fine. You know, you probably have to grow a lot of things, but you know, do you have access to water where you are? Um, is there a rainy season or a wetter season? You know, because obviously all vegetables need uh, water to grow. 
Likewise, you could live in a, in a slightly colder climate. So, um, you know, in the UK, we, we're known to have a lot of rain, but we do have pretty mild summers and it can kind of be hit and miss with how much sun we get um, in, in winter, like so in, in summer. So, for example, last summer was kind of overcast quite a lot of the time. Whereas this summer, we're having an amazing, really, really hot, uh, sunny, sunny summer. So you need to look at that. Where are you? What is your season like? Um, how many months of the year is it, uh, is it sunny and is it dry? And how many months of the year is it sort of wet and rainy? And in that context of your climate, you need to figure out what vegetables you can grow. So some vegetables prefer a cooler, um, sort of wetter weather, other vegetables uh, might want sort of warmer weather. Um, you know, so for example, on the news today, there was um, something, I think it was on the BBC, I'm not 100% sure, I'll try to find the link and I'll put it down below so you can go go read. But they, they were saying that they, um, in Britain, there is a warning that we're going to have a shortage of lettuce, <laughs> which is pretty crazy, you know, it's one of the most common things, salad greens is, is what people buy, you know, everyone um, it's almost like a staple in your weekly shop. Well, you know, for, for us it is at least. Um, and the reason that could be is because we're having unusually hot weather for this time of the year and a lot of sun, um, lettuce will tend to bolt. Um, and that's something that you would need to think about in your climate. You don't want to grow stuff that doesn't suit where you are. So th that's why I think this is quite important. The, the whole idea of your climate and where you are in your growing season will inform a lot of everything else you do from what vegetables you're gonna grow, will those vegetables be sellable, like I'll speak about next. So, um, onto the next one straight away, basically it falls falls into what we've just spoken about. Uh, will those vegetables that you can grow in your climate be sellable? Um, will people buy them? You, you might have a climate that suits a very specific kind of vegetable and you know that, oh, I'll be able to grow a, a lot of these, but it might be a really obscure vegetable that isn't quite popular in your region. So there will be no point in spending a lot of time and effort growing something that you know you can grow, but then you can't sell because then you're not making money and that would be the whole point of, of having a market garden to make a living. So if the vegetables you have aren't popular and you can grow them, it's sort of cuts them out the equation because if you can't make money from them there'd be no point in growing them the next thing to think about on the kind of vegetables you're going to sell is do they have a good margin can you make money from selling them so for example with tomatoes loads of people eat tomatoes but the problem is once you've planted them and you've grown them can you sell them at a high enough price to justify growing them you know if you if you've got two or three acres just of tomatoes and you're specializing them you might be able to grow lots of different varieties that are slightly unique uh, or heirloom varieties which are becoming quite popular now especially in markets um, especially in farmers markets so it might be worth it if you can specialize in them but if you're growing run-of-the-mill cherry tomatoes and cellar tomatoes how can you be different from a supermarket in order to be able to sell them at a high enough cost to make it worth it you know you can go you can go into one of the big big supermarket chains and buy a pound of uh, cherry tomatoes for a pound or you know a pound 50 something like that it's not that much money so if you want to um compete against against big sellers can you sell your tomatoes for a similar price and make it worth your while to grow them invest time in looking after them pruning them um keeping them healthy from disease all that kind of thing 
And the next thing about the vegetables that you want to sell, if they are sellable, can you grow enough of them? Um, there might be a, a huge market demand for them. And if you start selling something, but you can't grow enough of it, that vegetable to meet market demand, you kind of give yourself a bit of a bad name, really. So one week you might have a whole bunch of whatever it may be and you sell out and people come back the next week and want to buy more of it, but you can't provide it you know they'll start looking elsewhere or they might get annoyed saying well you know you have this a couple of weeks and the other weeks you don't there's not much consistency going on here and it, it psychologically it might just put people off understanding the market you're in and understanding the climate you're in and the vegetables that you can grow in that climate is incredibly important because you can grow whatever it is until the cows come home but if you can't sell them or if you can't make enough money from them it's completely counter counterproductive and counterintuitive so understanding those two things together so your climate and the vegetables that grow in that climate are um, go hand in hand and like I said earlier a lot of these things I'm speaking about all tie in in some way or another to to help inform the decisions you make you've established uh, your growing climate you've established what vegetables you can grow you found some things that are profitable you can grow enough of them um, and you can grow them for a certain amount of time in the year. So you, you know now that that vegetable's worth it. Next thing you need to ask yourself, do you have a market to sell the stuff you're growing in? If you live in a tiny little village in the middle of the Cotswolds or you know far away from, from anyone else, you might have a popular vegetable, you might be able to make a lot of money from selling it, but do you have people to buy that vegetable? Um, you know, so just because something is profitable and you can grow it but if you um, doesn't mean it's worthwhile selling because if you haven't got the market to sell it in um, you, you may as well not grow that vegetable uh, something else to think about is are there other people growing the same vegetables are there other farmers or market gardens in your area or your town or city wherever you are um, growing that specific vegetable and if they are how can you differentiate from them because I, I kind of think that um, there's enough going around for everyone you know it, it, people have this idea that um competition's bad but it's not because if you can differentiate from yourself from one farmer you create value and a, a good way of doing that is analyzing the market and seeing if there are other growers what they do so again i'll go back to, to, to tomatoes now a lot of people know that tomatoes sort of come later on in summer because they've got to grow and they've got to get ripe and all that kind of thing but let's say farmer a um grows tomatoes and he sells them and people love all the varieties he grows but his first lot of tomatoes are only available in June you know he's a seasonal grower he's, he's not selling you know to, to people that are buying from the big supermarket so they, they choose to buy from him but they can only start getting his tomatoes in June um, if you have access to see how he grows or he, that, that he or she have a website you can go and see you might discover that well you know they might not be uh, doing things as productive as you think you can and you believe that you can grow the exact same tomatoes as good quality but you can sell them in May so straight away you differentiate from them you might be growing the same product but you can give customers that same product a whole month before they do so straight away you separate yourself from that farmer and you provide value so, so not only do you have a market to, to sell it in but can you compete with what other people are doing and and provide value at the same time you know there are going to be staples that most people will, will grow and sell but being able to provide that extra bit of value can set you apart from other people so it's quite important to think about that kind of thing um, also where, where are you going to sell your vegetables you might be an excellent grower um, you've got 
a, a good variety of stuff you can sell, but if you've got nowhere to sell them, so for example, um, in a farmer's market, if you if there's a farmer's market near where you live and they've got a few um, market gardeners growing there, will they accept another farmer to sell their produce at the same market? Now, they don't want to upset the other farmers that are growing there already because it kind of, you know, they shoot themselves in the foot. So if you haven't got a, 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 a farmer's market to sell in, how else will you sell? Um, are there any local grocery stores near you that are independent that will be willing to take on some of your stock and, and trial it and see how it goes? Um, will you set up sort of a vegetable vegetable box scheme or a CSA as it's commonly known um, in, in America? Um, that stands for Community Supported Agriculture. And the way that works is people basically pay a subscription fee and they would normally pay up front in some circumstances, especially for a smaller grower. And you will say, well, it costs X amount and you will get vegetables for this many weeks of the year between this month and that month. Um, if you can figure out that you've got these markets and you think you can sell the vegetables to uh, to those markets, um, that's really important. If you don't have the market, there's no point in... in um, in having selling vegetables because you'll just grow stuff and have to eat all of them basically and the last thing which is probably the most important thing that i think a lot of people might uh leave on the back burners which um could sort of make or break you is how much is it going to cost to to start your farm and how much is it going to cost to operate um this kind of conflicts a bit with the whole idealistic um, view or lifestyle of being a farmer or market gardener because people have this idea that it's going to be this great living I'm going to have a piece of land and my chickens and my ducks grow some vegetables they're all going to be organic and that's great but um, yeah so you've got this uh, this great lifestyle in mind but if you don't have the business part of it at the forefront in your in your mind things won't work because at the end of the day if you're growing vegetables to make a living the business part of it is incredibly important so um, some of the things to think about are your your startup costs let's say you're a brand new farmer which hopefully I, I want to be eventually I need to think of things like farming equipment um, what will I need to buy to successfully be able to farm wherever I am uh, what is my access to land um, do I have to buy a piece of land from someone how big will that piece of land be? Um, will I lease land? Um, you know, some cases in, in, in America, um, Curtis Stone, for example, he leases land from people in his neighborhood. He's a proper urban farmer. And the way he pays for that is um, by exchanging vegetables with the people that he grows, uh, the people that he grows um, food from. So, he, you know, it's mainly in back gardens and things like that. So his overheads are quite low in terms of how much the land costs. Um, and, and something else is, is your market close to your farm? And this might not seem like it's got anything to do with your startup costs and operation, but it's a huge part. If you have a, let's say a couple of acres or whatever it is, um, 50 miles from the closest town, you need to get your vegetables to that town. And if you're doing it once or twice a week, that's a couple of hundred miles. So you've got to think of, how am I going to do that? Well, I need to have a van. Now, if you have vegetables in just an ordinary little van, you know, they're going to wilt. It's not going to do that well in, in the back of a hot van. So that van needs to be refrigerated. There are fuel costs involved. And, you know, fuel's expensive, especially in England. It's not that cheap. And if you're putting a lot of time into doing that, that time is being taken away from something else. For example, growing vegetables or being at your farm or doing other things. So 
understanding what your operating your operating costs are um, are really really important because at the end of the day the higher your overheads are the less money you make you know can your farm be incredibly lean do you need to have a tractor um, you know and in the case of a small market garden you don't always necessarily need to have that because if you've got one or two acres it's it's big enough to be able to walk walk around on where you don't have to have a huge tractor plowing fields um, you can kind of do it yourself if you've got sort of small walk behind tractors which are a lot more affordable I mean I don't know how much a tractor costs but I, I you know I can't imagine it's like five or six thousand pounds probably cost quite a lot really so understanding how much you need to spend in order to keep the to start the farm and to keep it going is really really important because at the end of the day your bottom line is going to be affected by how much money you spend to keep going all of these things sort of feed into each other and bounce back and forth depending on on what you want to do so how um that your access to land affects everything else is you might be able to have a piece of land, but where is where is it? Um, what's the aspect like? Is there a slope anywhere? Is there access to water on that piece of land? And that all affects your context. Um, is your piece of land in a small valley? Is that, that the climate in that valley will definitely be slightly different to a few miles down the road to a piece of land that isn't in the valley? So when you're starting a farm, Having to think of all these things is really important to sort of get it down to a T and plan all of this information out so that before you start, you have a really good idea of what you're growing, that that vegetable you're growing is going to sell, you can get a really good margin from it, and it's um, it's profitable. So to, to answer the question, like I said in the beginning, I do believe that market gardening can be profitable, but all of these points that I've spoken to spoken about and I'm sure there are other points as well all need to be considered really really carefully before jumping into something um, I think understanding the business part of what you're doing and understanding or not understanding but putting um, the financial side first is really really important because if you don't separate idealism so this idea of being you know having a farmer's life and sort of being a bit hippy dippy it is one thing but if you put the emphasis on that and not about making money, you won't make money. And the two sort of go hand in hand. You can have that idealistic lifestyle, but you really need to be realistic about um, what you're growing, where it's being sold to, and if it can make you money. Um, you know, you might want to um, grow broccoli, for example, and broccoli takes up a lot of space and it takes quite long to grow. And you might have a small piece of land, but if you put your heart, your your heart and soul into like just growing broccoli on an acre, you're not going to have much broccoli to sell, and you're going to take up all your land just growing one crop. Um, so it's not realistic, really. Um, I know that's a bit of a, um, a very simplified idea or a simplified example, but all all of these things need to need to be taken into into consideration when deciding on on starting your farm and um, whether or not it's going to be worth your while and you know I don't have experience in farming I have an allotment you know and it's completely different to growing on a larger scale and trying to make money from it and you know straight away I've, I've noticed you know me Matt and Katie I go to the allotment almost every day and we're getting a fair amount of vegetables for ourselves but it would definitely not be enough to make money from you know we might be able to sell some of the surplus vegetables to friends and family here and there but you know we don't do that we we give the vegetables to our friends and family because it's just like it's it's not enough 
excess to be even worth it. Um, so when it comes to growing on, on a small scale, which is what I'd want to do anyway, all of this stuff is incredibly important. Where you're growing, what you can grow, how much you can grow, what space you have, and the market you're gonna sell in. Because if you're only growing a smaller amount, which you would be on, on, a, on an acre or two, you need to have the high value crop that you can make money from, they all need to be popular, you need to have people to sell them to, and you need to keep your operating costs low in order to make the whole thing sustainable. Um, I know I've jumped around a bit on this on this episode and I've kind of you know been a bit wishy-washy but you know I've said it before and I'll say it again I'm not an expert these are all just things I've seen other people say and um, more often than not they're really successful and to finish off I would like to thank the Ruby Key Hair Studio who are a hair salon in Cheltenham Gloucestershire and they have sponsored this episode and they are giving all the listeners um, a chance to get 20% off having their hair done when you call and book in your next appointment. Um, they are an eco-friendly, cruelty-free, non-GMO um, hair salon. All their products are completely free of nasty chemicals and all the things that you would think that aren't good for you. All the ingredients in the, the products they use are um, plant-based and grown biodynamically. Um, I'm not 100% sure about what that means exactly, but everything is um, all natural and organic and it comes from, from Italy and it is an absolutely top range product. Um, they're one of the first um, vegan and cruelty-free salons in, in Cheltenham actually. So they're quite unique and uh, they do some, some awesome stuff. So um, don't think this is just for, for the ladies. Um, the Ruby Key have just hired an amazing barber. So um, all the guys out there, if you wanna go in and get your hair done, um, give them a call. Uh, you can find them online. Um, basically, if you, if you search them on Facebook, the Ruby Key Hair Studio, you'll get all their contact details on there. Give them a call and mention that you've listened to the Rough Around the Hedges podcast and you will get 20% off your next haircut. So thank you very much, the Ruby Key. That's it for today, everyone. I um, hope you enjoyed this episode and you found some value in uh, what I had to say. Um, hopefully this time I won't uh, keep you waiting too long for the next episode and I plan to start making podcasts on a bit more of a regular basis. Um, so I will see you guys next time. See you later.